You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, and on today's episode, we have a first for the show. We have a whole band on the show. Now, it's not a band that exists anymore, and it's a small band. It's only a three-piece, but we made a big sound. That might have something to do with our name, Little Giant, of which I was part of. I was the lead singer and guitar player. But we also had Ed Ryan on bass guitar and Matt Donahue on drums, and we have those two with us in studio today. Ed... Matt, welcome to the Rick Z Show. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Thanks, Rick. It's great to see you guys. It's always fun when we get together. This is probably the first time the three of us have gotten together all together at once and discussed Little Giant, a band we were all in for roughly 18 months, about 27 years ago, which is hard to believe it's been that long. But I was really proud of the band, and we did a lot of work. How did we get together? How did we meet? We None of us knew each other before we formed this band, really. How did it all come about, Matt? Do you remember what? What are your memories? Uh, I, I remember uh, bits and pieces. I remember getting to know Ed a little bit. And uh, actually, Ed and I went to Roosevelt together, so we knew each right. other. Roosevelt uh, School, School in High Park, New York. Yeah, right. We knew each other through, through that, but I don't necessarily local. <laughs> think we knew each other as being like musicians. Mm-hmm. So we somewhere hooked up along the line. I don't know if it was when I went to Marist or prior. Um, and we played, uh, we jammed at, at, at an octagon-looking building in Rhinebeck, not too far from where we sit. That was interesting, and Ed and I got along and had a lot of fun. And then I think that was the um, Ed and I kind of hooking up a little bit. And then uh, my wife now, who was my girlfriend back then, Diane uh, Riley, was good friends with you. Yes, we grew up together uh, since we were little kids in Red Hook. Nice. She mentioned that uh, a friend of hers was playing at the Treasure Chest in Poughkeepsie. So we went down and uh, downstairs into the bar area. That's when I met you. You were playing guitar a second. And we made some plans to get together and have a little jam. I don't think that happened for another six months or so. Now, Ed, all that Matt said, do you find any of that to be true? No, I'm I'm, I'm joking. It sounds pretty accurate to me. It it sounds pretty good. Is that kind of your memory? Sure. Well, I'll impart my memory real quick. I remember you guys coming out and picking me up in Germantown, New York, where I lived at the time. You guys came out with Kevin McIntyre in tow. It was the three of you guys, and I got in the car, and we went back to High Park to Matt's parents' garage, and we did our garage band thing. But Kevin McIntyre was the singer. I remember I was just there to play along and kind of have a little jam with you guys. Kevin was the singer and the lead guitar player, and we did Neil Young, and we did Springsteen and R.E.M. Elvis Costello Costello was one of them. And Kevin did great, and then he got a job at IBM or something, and he just went in that direction and kind of stopped playing a while later he kind of came back to music and made his own solo album and I believe all three of us were at the CD release party in High Park and I think Kevin just put out another one too is that right? yeah because I see it on Facebook and I'll have to reach out to Kevin and see how he's doing I'd love to have Kevin on the show and talk about his own music that would be great Let's talk about the name Little Giant for a second. People always ask me about that. Where does it come from? Do you remember how we came up with that name, Ed? I remember just riding up the road and having ideas bounce off of the conversation, going back and forth, and it just came up through a small band with a big sound. That's what we were trying to play off. A small band with a big sound, Little Giant. It seemed appropriate. I was looking for an oxymoron, which is those two words you put together where you get a a contradiction like jumbo shrimp or... Military intelligence is one of my favorites. <laughs> right. that's, that's one I like. That Look. was all part of the conversation when we were coming up with the name. Yeah. L- Little Giant, exactly. And we played a lot. We played a lot of gigs. We played all the time. You know, before we go any further with this discussion, let's give our listeners a taste of what we sounded like. What do you think? Sure. Sure. All right. 
We're going to play something maybe from, should we do a live performance or something from an album, some recorded material? Recorded. All right, let's play something from the Little Giant album.
that brings back memories. You know, let's talk about the garage days, as I like to call them, when we were practicing in Matt's parents' garage. We owe his parents a debt of gratitude for letting us practice and make all that noise in there several hours on a Saturday every single week. It really paid off, though, because we really honed our skills. You know, I was not much of a guitar player prior to Little Giant. I didn't even play in my other band, the Rixie Band. I just sang, so it was an education for me and a a big part of my development was Little Giant. And those days in the garage, man, we practiced these songs hundreds and hundreds of times, and we came up with all these arrangements together. And it's some of the most fun I've ever had at practices or at gigs. It was a lot of fun. You you, you remember those days, Matt, in the garage? I sure do. Really. Yeah. <laughs> they were a lot of fun. I do remember uh, practicing a lot, which is great, because I'm, I'm definitely down for that. I remember, for some reason, working on um, Hate That Elephant, and Rolling Pin, uh, there were uh, instrumental tunes, and they were very, they had very diverse parts. So I think it took us a while to get it together, but I do remember going over them and over them and over them quite a bit. It was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, it's funny, what, what I enjoy, I think, more about being a musician myself is practicing and playing and jamming with, with other musicians. You know, gigs are great. You know, you're out there playing, hopefully making some money and getting your music out there. But I think rehearsal is kind of more magical than, than gigs. Well, when we were writing tunes on the fly, like Rick was in charge, but we were coming up with ideas where all three of us started putting silly ideas, and then we try them and keep working on right. it, and it, it would derive a lot of things that you know normally wouldn't have happened. We really influenced each other. We pushed each other, and we kind of ignited each other's creativity, and I think it made for a great band. I mean, it was a really a unique sound. I remember being a little annoyed at that time in, in the world of music because garage bands were big at the time. They were coming out of Seattle and other places too, and I thought bands like the Gin Blossoms and bands like that kind of stole our sound, I thought, because we were doing this a little bit earlier, and I thought hey, we're a garage band too. How come we're getting ignored? Everybody else is getting rich. And I thought we were one of the best bands in the area for original music at the time. There was a little bit of a window for original music in this area between maybe 91 and 95, and then it just kind of dissipated. It, it was active, though. It was active. There were, there were a lot and a wide range of different types of bands. And I, I thought we were one of the best. I'm a little biased, maybe, but that's what I thought. Yeah, you know, I remember, remember cause back in the day, it was like Go Van Gogh and Strange Arrangement, Yannis mm-hmm. um, Pods, mm-hmm. Perfect Thyroid. Perfect Thyroid. Perfect Thyroid was big. There Peace was, Bomb. Peace Bomb. Bomb. Yeah. Conehead Buddha. Yeah. <laughs> I remember those guys. But there were some good original venues yeah. that people would go out and play original music. Yeah. And then, you know, Third Rail, that was another Third one. Rail, that was Tommy Turk's band, right? That's right. Tommy Turk in that band. There was quite a few others, too. Yeah. There, yeah. Were. there were. There, there were. There was always a gig on a weekend that had an original band somewhere in the area. And then there'd be other cover bands around. And that just doesn't, that hasn't happened in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just not the kind of area we live in. And Matt, you were also very busy. When I met you, really ever since then, you were very busy playing in bands. I mean, you were in Whitewater, was a big band of yours. Axton Cross was another one. Sandy and the Way Outs, I think. So Sandy, uh, actually this morning at Stewart's and Meadow. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I just haven't played my whole life, and I uh, was just always into drumming, and studied as a kid, took lessons, um, played, 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 and... Uh, I remember being in tons of bands, like in high school and college. To me, being in a band was a very frustrating thing many times because you try to get guys to show up that might sing, play bass, play guitar, play keys, and you, you'd have like, you know, two or three guys show up, but like not the lead singer. And then you'd have like not the guitar. 
So, you know, after a while, you know, you just keep putting these bands together. And then I would, I would just go play with bands. Like, you know, they'd be looking for a drummer. So now I go take those gigs and stuff. And yeah. After, after a while though, you know, it's, it's always one of those things. If you could put a band together with, with guys who are dedicated, who are talented, who are good, who are on the same wavelength. And most important is you show up and, you know, you, you go at it, that's huge. Because I think that's what makes some of the, the great bands great is the fact that, not that they're all killer musicians or killer singer-songwriters, but they have longevity. They, they, well, they are invested. In the same room. And yeah. and yeah, and it's, you know, a lot of guys don't get along after a while, but, but that still brings on a chemistry that, you know, just hired guns or just, you know, subbing and that, you know, you can't really replace. Yeah. How about you, Ed? Had you played bass in a band before Little Giant uh, at all? Just... Just long, extended, huge jam sessions inside <laughs> uh, with friends. But not original yeah. music. Uh, yeah, original music. Really? Yeah. Who or wrote? Original music. A friend of mine, Pete, did actually quite a bit of original tunes. Uh, I never knew that. cover tunes. And uh, during you know last stages of college, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, in-house recording and that type of thing. Because you were already a good and inventive bass player by the time I knew you. You must have woodshedded on something. I did. <laughs> I also took lessons and stuff. I started jumping into it pretty hard. Like Matt was saying, I think what he brought up was important. We were all invested in the project where we had importance on it, where we showed up and we were there to really not mail it in. Like every time we got together, it was like we would go in there in the daylight in the garage and we would come out in the nighttime where the whole day was destroyed but we got so much done it came out in the tunes i think uh, a lot of it shows up in, in the sauce when you're done hopefully if you do your homework and you guys were always dedicated to your craft i know that you ed took lessons from the late rob leon and he was a, a great local musician much later yeah m- much later i took a lot i took quite a bit of lessons from Vito too though he taught me a ton Vito. oh yeah he taught me the, you know the listener has no idea who you're talking about Vito we're, Petrocito. we're on a show the man. world famous Vito. okay Vito Petrocito. another great area guitar player awesome now matt you too took lessons from an area drummer with a, a very good reputation peter o'brien am, am i right about that took a lot of lessons from peter actually i just saw him recently we're gonna reconnect and do a lesson and then something came up a few weeks ago but yeah i studied actually though from with um charlie Moreno, jazz drummer and don watros jazz drummer when i was growing up Good, good drummers, good teachers, good players. So I had foundation, and then one night I was working at Bearsville Theater, and I went to Tinker Street to see, uh, it was like an after thing, and they had a jazz band playing, and this drummer just blew my mind. So him and I started talking, I hooked up with lessons, he turned out to be the drummer for Orleans and John Hall Band, and a bunch of other, uh, he's a phenomenal drummer, phenomenal guy. Peter O'Brien. Peter O'Brien, certainly one of the area's best drummers and, and best known session guys around. Uh, well, you guys could have done worse for your influences. So let's talk about gigs for a second. We, we played a lot of them together. I mean, I think we played 97 gigs to be exact in 18 months time and then maybe another 10 gigs unofficially after we broke up at like maybe a private party in Ed's backyard or something. On top of a hotel or a, or a studio, right? <laughs> on top of a studio. On top of a studio. <laughs> On a tractor trailer. On a tractor trailer. We we did so many different gigs, and we got people up dancing to our music and stuff. We were only a three-piece with the only guitar player in the band playing an acoustic, but it was a big sound. You would think you were listening to a bigger band to the point where people would get up and dance, and that was really fun. We had some really nice crowds. We, I remember playing a party at a dentist's house. Why, why did we do that? Who, who's... 
Who was yeah. that? She's That's right. In their, yeah, driveway. She was in, in their yeah. driveway. Yeah. Right. She had yeah. just graduated from dentistry school. Roosevelt yeah. Road development. Yeah. I remember that. She handed out uh, toothbrushes to everybody at the party. I, <laughs> I, I got one myself. And they came and shut us down. The police shut us down that night. Remember that? They were really into the tunes, though. I remember that. The police? the police? Yeah. They were into the music. <laughs> That's good to know. That's funny. So what else? Uh, we played CBGB's one time. We did a lot of gigs down in the city eventually, and CBGB's was really a great time. It was one of the best gigs we ever played, in my opinion. I think one of the reasons is the sound guy. World famous place, too. World famous place. The, the sound guy was this young guy with a helmet t-shirt he was wearing. Helmet was one of these metal bands of the day. And this guy, he just got on my last nerve right away and I don't know what it was that he said or did that made me so mad but by the time we started playing I just put all my energy into the music and it was it made for a really good set I was one of the best vocal jobs I think I, I could remember doing with the band just remember that night being really good most of the nights we, we gave it the best shot we could I mean we played in Fishgill New York we played in Albany New York we, we played Rochester, Rochester uh, North Creek North Creek, RPI Fieldhouse in Troy, colleges, various things. I mean, we just, we played everywhere we could. And then one fateful night at a really hip club called the Cactus Club in Poughkeepsie, New York. We had a really nice crowd. We were doing a really good show and we had Mr. Carl Allwire sit in with us, which he didn't really play guitar in bands. I had him on the show a, a while back and we were discussing this very thing and he told me it was the first time he ever played guitar in a band was Little Giant. And now he's kind of known as a guitar player. So that's kind of cool that he, he kind of cut his teeth with Little Giant. But I remember he sat in that night and we all had a little quick powwow on one of our breaks and said, we got to ask him to join the band. And we did. And he said yes. And that inevitably changed the sound of the band. At first, I wasn't crazy about it because although I loved Carl's playing and I loved being in a band with him and he gave us this credibility with his great playing, he, he could turn heads with his, his solos and things. It wasn't that three-piece, unique, quirky sound that we had initially. And that's what I really loved about Little Giant. But I did love working with Carl as well. What were your memories of inviting Carl to be a member, guys? I remember that gig, actually quite well uh the reaction was really good that was one of our better ones and he, he put another layer on it that i thought was great let's just step back for a second and listen to a live recording of little giant just prior to carl joining the band this is a recording from 1992 one of the first shows we played i believe it was recorded at the live wire cafe in stanfordville new york and it was a song called the chosen you guys remember the chosen sure. right yeah. Let's let's take a listen to that.
Yeah, so that's The Chosen, obviously a three-piece, very unique kind of sound. We did most of our instrumentals that way also. We always said, here's an instrumental with an emphasis on mental, because (laughs) our instrumentals were so unusual. But let's listen to a song now that Carl is on, and you can hear what happened to our sound. Let's play, uh, how about 400 Yards? You want to hear that? Let's check that out. You want to call it, but it's no 
So obviously, we were more of an electric band suddenly, and not just an acoustic three-piece. We were an electric four-piece. Very big difference. And we played a lot with Carl. We did little mini tours, and we played around, and it was it was just constant. Plus, I was in a couple other bands at the time that were also working a lot, and I know you were also playing, Matt. I mean, Ed, I think you were probably playing too. I don't remember. I mean, we're talking almost 30 years ago, so it's really tough to, to remember all this stuff. But what gigs stick out to you, Matt? in your head that we did that really made an impression there were so many wow that's a really good question Rick. remember we did the parmesan gigs i remember the oh, yeah. gigs. i remember the city gigs you know the china clubs and lions dens cbs cbgbs you know, it's funny because part of me liked those gigs but part of me hated those gigs because i thought it was bullshit the fact that you had a pack of all your stuff you drive down to the city you get a half an hour slot on a on a tuesday night at like you know 8 30 I always thought that we we should have gotten you know better opportunities to be honest with you, mm-hmm. but I knew that we had to do those, and I think we had those discussions that you know because to me, if I'm going to go play a gig, I want to play right, you know, and yeah. I think everybody does. You want to play for an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours. That was a drill then, though. I know it yeah. was a drill, but mm. to me, it was more of um, it, it was more of the venue's way of just trying to get business in the door because. 
they, you know, you had to do sure. all the bullshit with the sell the tickets and have as many people as you get. And it became kind of a popularity thing. Whereas to me, that's not really what should be, you know, driving music. Yeah, it is how it is down in the city. It's a showcasing place and yeah. not really an hour. You, you don't get an hour and a half and two hours and stuff that we're used to. I mean, we didn't even get warmed up for the, the first six, seven songs. So when you're down there, you, we're just getting warmed up and it's time to shut it down and go home. And then it's a long drive home. But we sure. played in the city because that's where people may have an opportunity of seeing you that may actually be able to say, hey, you guys are great. Let's let's do something together. Because yeah. you're not going to get that around here. So what were some of those clubs? That I remember Lion's Den. Lion's China, Den. China Club. China Club. Uh, the uh, rock and Roll Cafe. The Bowery, maybe? Was it Bowery? Uh, the Bag It In. Yeah. Right. Now, what about the place there? that was way downtown that was a dive that was famous, but it was a dive. Uh, Nightingales. Yeah, Nightingales. That was on Second Avenue. Yeah. Yeah, Nightingales. You could fall through the floor. At that place. <laughs> I think we did fall through the floor <laughs> at that place. That was a scary place, as yeah. some of the places down there were. But I remember them as as being really good gigs. I remember one time playing at. It was a club just underneath mm -hmm. SOBs where they played all this Latin music. Yeah. And downstairs was like a... It was near Columbia University. It was like across the street from Columbia or something. Yeah. And I forgot my guitar. And I have no idea. <laughs> How do you forget your guitar? I, Oh, no. You know what it was? I kicked it in half accidentally. Well, I didn't... I Well, it's a long story, but I didn't have my guitar with me. And Carl was the only guitar player that night. And I just stood there and sung. And there was Pitched. nobody there. Yeah, I was not happy. I was not happy. But... Just as we were wrapping up, uh, come on, guys, let's just get this over with. People started to come in. And then Carl, I remember, said, come on, Rick, we got to play. Now we got people here. And I said, how would you feel if you didn't have your guitar? And he said, well, you're being a baby. And I said, well, you're being a baby. <laughs> All right, let's play. So we, we ended up playing and... It was funny. There's so many memories. We're never going to be able to get to them all. There's so many things. What about so the Snowball Festival in North Creek? That was an amazing Snowball fun Festival. Time. I oh, wasn't that was fun. I remember that, yeah. The hotel, uh, yeah. was a, we did really good up there. That was a good show. We played on a tractor trailer at, in, the, in, in, in High Park. Park. We played yeah. uh, quite a few benefit things. We played Milestones in Rochester and stayed at the world-famous Cadillac Hotel. You remember that? The Cadillac Motel. Motel. Oh, hotel. hotel is far too grandiose. No, it's a, it's a hotel. Well, it's a but motel. It's <laughs> there's no, no drive-up. <laughs> no, there's no drive-up. No, there's no concierge no. At, at this place. So, so when was the first gig and when was the last gig? Well, that's a good question, Matt. The first gig I, I know was September 2nd of 92. The last gig, the best I can tell you is it was April April of 94, but I, I can't pinpoint it to... Years? Oh, we played for 18 months. That's it. We were, it seemed like we were a band for a long time, right? Felt like we were a band for a long time. I know, but it was 18 months. I, you know, I always meant to ask you guys something. But we well, did other big gigs like Think About, The Chance, and Bearsville. We played. Yeah. Chance, we did some things with we other bands did, there, yeah. yeah. We played at the place, The Brickyard, that time. The Brickyard, oh, yeah. yeah. We played at with the, the we, Paulie's up in Albany. Paulie's in Albany. Dwyer's in Saratoga. I, I mean, we hit every yeah, place we played. could. Oh, when we played in Saratoga, we they tried to stiff us uh, and not, we not get paid. And I believe we had to walk through the rain to the owner's apartment and, like, threaten him through the door at, mm. like, 3 in the morning. Remember that? And he yeah. wouldn't pay us. Finally, he slips a check under the door to us because <laughs> we're making so much noise in his apartment building. He's probably going to get in trouble. And we yeah. take the check and we well, at least he gave us something. Let's get out of here. we got two hours ride home. It's already 3 a.m. So we left. 
we put the check in the bank on Monday and it cleared. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, there were some times, and this is back at a time where I, I think that kind of thing happened more. I don't know. It was it was an interesting time in music. But I wanted to ask you guys something, because I was in the Rick Z band at the time, was a big priority for me. And the guys in that band, I think they had no idea what I was doing. You know, what is Rick doing? Is he leaving us? Is he joining another band? Does he hate us? What's going on? They were confused. But the actual reason why I wanted to form Little Giant to begin with is those guys only liked half the songs I wrote. So I I was writing a lot in those days and we were playing a lot of those songs, but there was a lot of songs I'd like to do live that they, they didn't want to do. So I had a lot of spillover and I would like to have a band that wanted to play that material and that was us. Here's the irony. They wanted to do them after we got right. good with them. <laughs> Once we showed that we could do them well, they wanted to record them and put them there on our albums go. and stuff, and we did that. Did you guys have a reaction to that? Was that something that bothered you guys? Did it uh, upset you that some other bands playing these songs that we developed and recording them? Yeah, but they're all guys that we knew when we were friendly yeah. with, so I didn't, I didn't see any problem there. Really, because they didn't like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah. Wait a second. We were doing songs that you did. That's part of our sets anyway. So we were already yeah. taking ownership of some of that material too. That's true. But there were stuff we developed. They were, they really belonged from to us in a up. lot of ways. From the ground up. Arrangements too. And here comes this other band and we're recording that stuff. Stuff like 400 Yards and And Now the Weather. Yep. My gosh, the Rick Z band made an album called And Now the Weather. That was a Little Giant song. So let yeah. me ask you a question. I, when I would go see Rick Z band, there was a lot of material that they didn't play that we were doing. Were well, obviously, Ain't That the Truth and things like that, or they would play, but then you'd hear, like, you know, the mannequins and all this other stuff that, you know, we were doing, tumbled out of, well, maybe tumbled, but there was a lot of material that Little Giant was doing, and I thought did pretty well, and then I'd hear Rick Z, and it, the, the, the sound wasn't really the same. Right. The sound was definitely not the same. I mean, the members are so different. Different I mean, interpretation. Different interpretation. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, I preferred Little Giant's version of stuff because Little Giant had um, a lighter sound, kind of a little bit more of a groove, not as heavy. You know, you had Dan D'Elia on drums in the Rixie band, and, and he had hit those drums like he was really angry with somebody, especially at that time. He stays in the pocket, but you didn't have to stand right in front of his cymbals. And then you had John Coghill was, you know, like a metalhead, so he had his crunchy sounds, and Carl Allwire was the bass player. I mean, all due respect to the Rick Z band, I love those guys, and I really thought we were a great band. But Little Giant expressed a different side of my musicality that I really needed at, the, at that time, especially. You know, why don't we listen to a Little Giant song that the Rick Z band also had as part of their set list, and we recorded an album in 94 called And Now the Weather, this is the title track to that album. This is the Little Giant version that has Carl Allwire doing a great solo in it, too. You, let's check that out. You want to hear that?
right. See what I mean? That was cool. That that was kind of the original vibe of the song that I was looking for when I wrote it, which was kind of a Van Morrison-y type of vibe. And the Rick Z band had almost like a, a very strict heavy sound, which I didn't prefer. So Little Giant d did express a side of me that I thought was really important. It was a little bit more of a groove. More feminine side? A feminine side. <laughs> hey, hey, you came up with the drum part. Um, ah. I don't know. Uh no, it was just a a, a sound that was a, a, had a little bit more space in it, and it was a little bit lighter, and it was a little bit more groovier, in my opinion. And oh, wow, that's the second time I've used used the word groovy on this show. So, Ed, you mentioned while we were listening to that song, you mentioned another song that Carl did that had a great solo in it. What was that? Uh, Live till twenty one. Live till twenty one. That was one of my favorite songs that we played together. Let's listen to that.
try and find yourself some fun. You're alive, alive till 21. Yeah, there we go. Live till 21. Love it. Love it. Also brings back memories. You remember recording that, Matt, and Andy Dykeman studio? I remember going downstairs. Was it at Keith Luffel's house or was it yeah. Andy's studio? Yeah. Yeah. It was at Keith Luffel's house. And Andy bought the portable um, recorder over back in the day. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And it Old school A track. Old school A track. Old school A track. Yeah. I kind of remember that a little bit. Um, I mean, it was a while ago. We were there all day. I we, remember that. We were. <laughs> It just seems so much easier to put down vocals back then than it seems today. Oh, that's another good thing to What's point that? out. On some of these songs, listen to, to your vocal parts are amazing. Like uh, Born Yesterday and back in the day, the, the quality of singing on it, I always thought was amazing. And my voice was a lot higher when I listened yeah. to this stuff. And I'm like, that's me? But I forget, I was 23, 24, 25 years old, something like that. So I could sing a lot higher in those days. I hadn't worn it out with all these gigs and life. One of the best gigs we ever did I'll say the pinnacle of Little Giant's work it came toward the very end of, of our time together was our show on WDST. It was a, mm-hmm. a live interview with us and a live performance, which was a full set of music. It was now WDST, for those who don't know, is a staple of this area in terms of broadcasting. It's in Woodstock, New York, and it's been around forever. When I was a kid, they called it the Bulldog. And now it's WDST Stereo 100, and it's just a great station everyone here knows it and it was fun to play on the air i remember when we were playing it was a very difficult setup um i don't know if you remember the setup ed yeah we were all separated from each other we were all separate i couldn't hear you guys i could only hear myself you guys couldn't hear me but you could hear each other and it's a testament to how tight of a band we were we didn't even need to hear each other because when you listen to the recording it's like wow we're tight you, you don't hear any mistakes you don't hear it doesn't sound like we can't hear each other i remember the, the difficult conditions but the exhilaration of playing that music on the air and having people hear it uh jack bruce and ginger baker their sons they dropped by yeah i don't remember their names but they were in a band together and i guess they heard us performing and they dropped by and they they gave us kind words of encouragement and that that meant a lot to us so did nick Harcourt the famous DJ that did the interview. Nick Harcourt did the interview, and now he's fairly well known for some of his other overdubs, vocal overdubs. And Every now and then I hear his voice on a commercial, on a car commercial or something. I think he's in L.A. now. He's in L.A.? Back from Australia. Back from Australia, okay. Yeah. I didn't That I didn't know. Let, let's hear something from our little giant performance on WDST. I'm sure we have some of that stuff, don't we? Yeah. Let's hear a song about the Hudson Valley, being that this is a show about Hudson Valley musicians, of which we are three. Let's hear general geography. My general 
Yeah, that's a fun song. That was a good one to play. We did that on almost every gig we did. And I think we did 10 songs, this little performance. I could hear Carl's amplifier buzzing still in my brain. 10 songs? Yeah, we did 10 songs. Wow, that's pretty cool. Can you believe they turned the airwaves over to us for that long? And it was live, right? I mean, that's the the best about it, It was a weekly show that they would... uh, A local music show. So what happened? What happened to Little Giant? (laughs) <laughs> you you laugh because we know we're still here. We don't know. I mean, there was no loss of love. We're all friends. We we all still communicate and even work together occasionally. So what went wrong? This was a great band. Does anyone have any idea? Because I don't really remember. I, I just remember it just dissipated, and then twenty five years went by. <laughs> what what happened, Matt? I don't remember. You know, I remember when Carl left the band, and that was kind of a weird thing. I don't know what his situation was, but he just decided that he was going to do do some other gigs, uh, which is fine. And I think you guys followed him and ended up starting a band called Wired with him after we disbanded. Yeah, but that, no, I, that, that was wasn't immediate. Later, that was a while after. Okay. So there was no okay. correlation there. Okay. No. Yeah. No, it wasn't like... Well, no. No. Rick Z No. I didn't mean it that way. It is the Rick Z show. But that does happen. That does happen with other bands. Yes, it does. It does. Yes, it does. Uh, but no, I just remember, you know, I remember being in our garage and having these deep discussions. But I think, like all good original bands, is um, you get to a disappointment and frustration level of working so hard on your material, doing all these gigs, running around with your head, head cut off, not making any money to show for it, 
and you know just you know after a while you you get to the point of like is this going going anywhere and then you you know you go on you have creative differences and and all those things um compound and relationships and dynamics so i think we probably just got to that point like is it worth everything that we're putting into it i, I would imagine right mm-hmm. what, there's what, a lot of things going on i think at the time contributed to you know there's just a lot going on a lot going on Everybody just started, you know, working. Me and Matt were working more. I think we were. We went from being in college, just getting out of college, to started to change a little. That's all. I guess at that time in people's lives, their mid twenties, you were getting married, Ed. You, well, that was that wasn't until much later. Three what, years. What three years had, later. What we had going on was this. I remember it distinctly a little bit. Matt and I had full time jobs, and I remember getting two hours of sleep before I had to wake up to go to work the next day after we did showcase gigs in the city. And and yeah. other gigs because back then gigs started at 10 30 to 11 o'clock at night which that's is right un- that's unheard of now yeah and now we would, it is. we would play till you know two three o'clock in the morning sometime you know far away and it became a bit of a challenge there too you know driving home from two three hours away i remember that was a, somewhat of a different factor back then. now i do remember one one instance when we had a gig in the city i don't know where it was but we went we went down we had everything taped on top of my uh, Mercury Marquee station wagon. Oh, duct tape was a big part of our sound. Both traveling and music. It was crazy. It was always right. amps and guitars. And then a lot of times they would, you know, the drum stuff, I'd just bring, you know, the basics because they'd have hopefully backline. But I remember coming out of New York City and my car breaking down on the side of the road. Oh, that was another. And it yeah. overheated. And then we're all sitting there. And Carl and I are supposed to be at Skeppies at like, you know, nine in the morning or something like that. And it's like three or four in the morning at that point. And the car was, but we couldn't, it was on the West Side Highway. Nobody would, nobody would pull over and help us out. Yeah. And we, so we just waited, waited, waited. We had beer bottles in the car. So we poured beer into the and other uh, things too. And, and we, we got it to We run. peed in, in a cup and we poured it in there as well. We did a bunch of stuff. And somehow, it and worked. I think Carl was driving my car, and somehow, we miraculously, it. <laughs> it started up, and we got home at like 6 in the morning, and I remember going to Skemmy's that day and talking to Nola, and the, yeah. the owner, and she was like, really? She's like, is Carl yeah. coming in? And I'm like, I hope he is. I remember. <laughs> we, we, we had another gig that night. Blown in the city, yeah. and we, we had to go back down. Hose. Well, that uh, store yeah, that was up north, wasn't it? At that little in Troy, the Puritan Tea Room. Was oh, there yeah. a gig that day? Because yeah. one, I don't think we went back south. I think we went up north that night. Okay. Yeah. But I remember we had to check the 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 uh, the pressure, <laughs> and Carl taking the top off, <laughs> and it it was compressed. <laughs> and it exploded in his face. But, the entire... Pee and beer. Pee and beer. Yeah. Pee and beer. Well, by the way, this story has been told on the Rick Z show before. This is not the first time it's been told. So just so you know. But now we have the little giant, the official version yeah, of it. Exactly. And wasn't there an R? Maybe that was the RPI gig we did that time coming back from Rochester. That was an interesting gig. The I party. Just remembered. Yeah. Yeah. There was a big party. It was RPI. Kind of weird. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were so many unusual gigs that we did. I remember. Remember most of them as being really great and and having a great time and having a decent crowd and my memories of the little giant time period are very very strong for the most part they're starting to recede a little bit into the background but I I remember having a lot of fun but what about now here we are almost thirty years later Matt you are in an original band you you finally settled down instead of dating all these different bands you're now married to one. Yeah, well, that's always, like, the case, good and bad, right? Two things. Playing in cover bands is great. It's fun. You make money. You get to play with a lot of good players. But at the end of the day, 
nobody will ever hear, you know, um, a cover song that you did, you know, on the radio, right? Because when people tune into the radio or listen to, to stream music or whatever they're doing, they're listening to the original artist, right? They're listening to the artistic side, the creation of it, the music itself, where it came from, the instrumentation. But they're listening to, like, you know, it's, it's a piece of art. Um, so I love playing cover bands, and I'll play a million cover gigs. However, I always thought that being in a really good original band was just... It's it's um, it's almost like you're you have more opportunity to um, show your craft, and not even show your craft, but just to what's it to live it. You know, you're your own stuff. You're making up your own parts. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> exactly. So your band that you're in now and have been in for a long time, I believe you have at least two albums out. Is the band is good band, yeah, very good band. I've seen you several times. Yeah. Now that's not necessarily a band from the Hudson Valley. They're not really from around here, it are is, they? It is, it is. Yeah, the guys are from the Hudson Valley, but they they live. They were in a band called Indian Summer in New Paltz for years. But Peter's from Newburgh area and Michael's from Pokeway area, so they're both from the area. But they moved out to California for like ten. 12 years, the band fell apart, different, you know, um, makeups uh, came into play, and then they, uh, Indian Summer, um, but they were putting a new band together, and they had a band called Is, and they just used the initials from Indian Summer, and that meant in the present tense. I so never knew that. It was a bit of a jam band, a bit of hmm. a jam band, these guys, that's, however, they're both very musically they're good players, good singer-songwriters, they, they do a lot together, or they used to do a lot together, we still... We still practice, play, and write our own songs, but they used to, I think, write together um, more so back in the day. And they they basically uh, wrote a ton of material, and they moved back to the to the East Coast with a drummer who <clears throat> decided he didn't want to stick around. He wanted to move out uh, back west to California. And I just kind of like answered an ad, showed up for um, a gig, listened to them, thought they were a good band, and went for an audition, got it. That was probably about 11 years ago. So, but funny enough, I mean, a band like his, is, it's similar to A Little Giant. It's three guys constantly just making music, 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 playing gigs all over the place whenever we can. You know, we try to get better gigs as time goes on, but we're still looking for the same thing that A Little Giant looked for, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And you liked us more, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's That's... That's, absolutely. I heard a rumor. Absolutely. Uh, as long as the guys don't hear it, absolutely. I love to put you on the spot. No, I love Is. They're a really good band, and you play great in that band. But you don't just play music. You also book music. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah. So, but putting my musician hat on, to me, that's more important than, than any booking stuff. But I, I do, I book bands. I've, um, I've done some um, bands. I booked for Hard Scrabble Day and Red Hook, which I kind of got involved with about. 14 years ago. And for our listeners, Hard Scrabble Day is the much coveted one day a year to celebrate Red Hook's history. Right. We used to be called Hard Scrabble 150 years ago or whatever. Right. And Matt books these incredible bands every year. Tell our listeners what bands you've well, booked. Well, and I, the, the big part is I raise all the money to pay for it. It's a free concert. So they, that's the best part of it. It's free, no matter who's playing, yeah, whether it's local, regional it or, or national. I had the idea about 15, 16 years ago. I, I, I said to myself, oh, I wonder why, you know, for community day, why maybe get some cool bands to go up and play. And not knowing, like, any of the organizers, I was doing a gig one time with Slam Allen for Heart Scrabble Day, and uh, I was getting paid to be there to play drums and have PA and all that. And the 
the organizer, the mayor, and Mark Molinero was the uh, whatever the assemblyman at the time, approached me with some people and said, you want to help us, because you're a local guy, you want to help us get a band for next year. That was back about 15 years ago. I helped him out. I knew the drummer very well for Orleans. So I reached out to, to John Hall and Larry Hoppin, had a conversation with those guys, said, you guys want to play a band, uh, play a gig? I've never done it before. I'll throw it together. I'll make some money and pay you. And then we can, I'll get a sound system. I use uh, Brian at Firehouse Productions, big sound company. Um, and the back line was all our instruments, like my drum set and everything like that. And um, it went off really, really well. And I marketed it because I'm in advertising. And uh, from that point on, it, it that was the beginning of it. <laughs> Before people tune out, give us some of the names of famous yeah. bands that people want to hear. Amazing. The only, the only famous thing I can tell you right now is who's going to play probably on Saturday, September 21st. It's um, John Waite and his band. They're going to be doing a lot of um, a lot of different music, but a lot of his bad English uh, solo material as well as baby baby's material. So I'm really excited about that because that's Me too. That's I love year. John Waite. Yeah. And other years, you've had bands like Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. You've had Average White Band. Meters. The, the Tubes. The Meters. The Tubes. Greg Le- Raleigh. Greg Raleigh. Leon Russell. Jackie Green. Jackie Green. Patty Smythe Scandal. Patty Smythe and Scandal. Robert Randolph Band. Robert Randolph and the Family that's Band. Right. What a lineup. Actually, one guy I had that probably went under the radar, but I didn't really care. I thought he was probably one of the best performers I've ever had, was Colonel Bruce Hampton. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Colonel, Mason, Colonel Bruce Hampton. Oh, Dave Mason, right? Colonel Bruce Hampton to me was like the fine because he's played with so many great famous uh, musicians, but he was the guy that's probably nobody really knows about. But um, after you know him, his set, he told me it was probably one of the best gigs he's ever played in fifty years. He appreciated the hospitality; was incredible, and that to me, when he said that, it basically you know said that whatever we're doing there. We're doing the right thing, you know? That's great. You know, one of the most disappointing moments in the Little Giant years that I remember, you jogged my memory, Matt, because you mentioned John Hall and Larry Hoppin. Those are two of the musicians from the famous world-known band Orleans. They are a Hudson Valley band, if ever there was one, but they're national as well. I don't, they don't play anymore, but Orleans. Larry passed away. Larry passed away, sadly. Great guitar player. Uh, He played with Robbie Dupree also and many other people. In any case. Actually, Larry Hoppin, though, he's he's a great guitar player, but he is really the vocals behind Orleans. I mean, that's true. It, it sounds, you know, John Hall did his thing, um, but Larry Hoppin, you know, you listen to a lot of those lead vocals, it's Larry. Yeah, well, time. well, Little Giant had an opportunity to open for Orleans at the Chance on their 20th anniversary. That would have been a big show for us. And the night of the show, it got canceled. You guys must remember that. I do, because yeah. I was the one involved and it sucked. And I was like, when you do something like that, you're excited about it, you're enthusiastic about it. I didn't think it was the night. I thought it was a few days prior. But to get the phone call that um, they're using a different support act because somebody knows somebody from Orleans, I was really, really bummed. Yeah. Yeah. It was unfair. Yeah. Uh, one of the many injustices in the music business. Now, Ed, gotcha. you played quite a bit after Little Giant. You played in Wired with Carl Allwire. I still play with him. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you play with Carl from time to time yeah, now. Yeah. You put put a, a band together. You and I play, and Matt, sure. too, occasionally at a summer party or something that I, I throw together. You also were in another band with me called Exactly Not, which was a really appropriate name because it was exactly not the band either of us should have been involved in. <laughs> well, I, we were trying. We were trying hard. We were putting an A for 
for effort in there. And they were together longer than Little Giant, two solid years. Mm. I can't believe we True. existed that long under those conditions. True. But that's a, a show for another time that will never air. That being said, I want to thank you guys for being on the show again. Uh, I can't believe our time has just flown by, and now we're out of time. It's mm. it's uh, a shame, but... We have to figure out a time to go back to Matt's parents' garage. and That would be amazing. Up, well, we do that. Do I miss second. those days. Actually, I, you know what a better place to, we could maybe do it is, remember upstairs in my dad's office with the carpet and the pool table and all that? I do. I think we jammed there a few times. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I love. I like the garage though myself. That was insane. It was great. <laughs> it, was uh, it doesn't matter to me. I'll play with you guys anytime, anywhere. And the big Ford tractor in there with us. <laughs> I loved being in a band with you guys. I still love playing with you when we have the opportunity. Let's hear one more song. Uh, in fact, let's hear a song that we've done probably at every Little Giant show we ever played. That look.
Yes. See, we were a good band. We had good songs. We had enthusiasm. We had that exuberance of youth. I miss it. I miss it. You can't go back to that. You can move ahead and hopefully get it better in a different way moving on, but you can't go back. But we do have the songs. They remain. The Little Giant album remains. And all of the ridiculous photos when we had hair. Thanks again, Matt, for being oh, here. Oh, have a great time. Ed. Yeah, thank you. You guys great. are brothers to me because when you play in a band together, it bonds you pretty much forever. And, and I'll always remember the days that we had in Little Giant. You've been listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. Every week, produced and engineered by Rusty Johnson. Come on back next week and see what talented Hudson Valley musician we have for you. And we'll see you then. Music.